Welcome to Victory Church Winchester, Virginia's weekly podcast. Our desire is that you will find Victory a place to call home. Please take a moment to subscribe and share. Here is this week's message from our Sunday morning worship experience. We're going to read from Matthew chapter 27, verse 62. On the next day, which followed the day of preparation, the chief priest and the Pharisees gathered together to Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember that when he was still alive, how that deceiver said, After three days I will rise. Therefore, command that the tomb be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say to the people, He has risen from the dead. So the last deception will be worse than the first. And Pilate said to them, You have a guard, so go your way. Make it as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure, sealing the stone and setting the guard. Chapter 28, verse 1. Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning, and his clothing was white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come and see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and with great joy and ran to bring his disciples word. This morning on this amazing Easter Sunday, I want to tag a title to this text. I want to preach from this topic today. Surprise at sunrise. Surprise at sunrise. Would you bow your heads and your hearts with me in prayer? Father, thank you, Lord, for this opportunity we have today to gather around your word. Lord, to hear what you would say to us, to read about the resurrected Christ and to learn. Father, I pray that we haven't come into this place today just to attend an Easter service, to sing songs, or to hear a sermon. But God, we've come into this sacred moment today to hear from heaven to hear a word from you. Father, our hearts are open and receptive to what you have for us. Lord, may may we receive your word, believe your word, and obey your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. One of my favorite things to do is to surprise my kids. Any parents out there like to surprise your kids? Either scare them or do something really nice for them. Whatever it takes just to surprise them, right? And um, last summer, while we were vacationing in Daytona Beach, we go there every uh, summer, uh, my kids, we, I, I, I organized, I arranged, I rented um, some electric bikes to come to the condo so we could take an electric bike out. I could take my daughter Ava out um, to ride on the beach. And... Um, at first, when the bikes arrived, she was like, Dad, I don't, I don't, I don't want to go. What, what is this all about? You know how kids, they're like, they throw you off. They're like, you think something's going to be cool, and they don't think it's going to be cool. And you're just like, 
which you don't realize is how cool this is actually going to be. You have no idea what's going on here, but I know what's going on and I know what's cool. Well, we ended up spending the next two hours having like the time of our lives. Like we went down the beach, we traveled down to Main Street, we went and got some bubble tea. Um, It was great. (laughs) We did a little shopping. Uh, The storm started coming up, the storm starts, uh, clouds started coming because you know it's got to rain in Florida every single day if you've ever vacationed there. And uh, that was a blast too because everybody was like moving off the beach. They were like, let's get out of here. The storm's coming. So that freed us up to go full send on the electric bike. I mean, these things go like 20 miles an hour. And you know me. So I just had to put it in full send. And me and Ava are riding down the beach, like just, just going, just going. And it's actually like you're not supposed to go that fast. Like when the lifeguards are out there, you're only supposed to go a certain speed, but there was no lifeguards in sight, and we were trying to beat the storm. Um, but we just had an incredible time, and I love surprising my kids, but it's even better when I surprise myself, right? Like I had no idea how incredible this experience was going to be. And uh, it doesn't happen in life, but there's nothing that will make you smile brighter than when something exceeds your expectations. Like, you expected the worst, but you got the best. Like, you thought it was going to be bad, but it turned out to be good. Like, you thought it was going to be unpleasant, but it ended up being enjoyable. This is what I like to call a pleasant surprise. Maybe you can relate. Maybe I can come into your world and relate. Like, you, like you thought the test was going to be hard, but it ended up being easy. Come on, ladies. You thought... Uh, those shoes were going to be expensive, but when you arrived at the store, they were on clearance. Come on. <laughs> Maybe you expected the doctor's report to be bad, but when the doctor came in, they said, we can't find anything. Come on. Maybe you expected to do the evaluation with your boss and everybody was getting laid off, but you got a promotion. Come on. How many are grateful for those times that we have pleasant surprises? But the truth is, we often expect the worst rather than believing the best. Because there are things in our life oftentimes that are not pleasant surprises. Come on. Life's not all full of pleasant surprises. Some are most unpleasant. And that's what we, where we find ourselves to, today in this passage, in this Easter story. The women have come into the tomb, to the tomb, and they've had some unpleasant surprises over the last few days. It was an unpleasant surprise when Jesus went into the Garden of Gethsemane and was arrested. That was an unpleasant surprise. When Judas, one of their very own, betrayed them and betrayed Jesus, it was an unpleasant surprise. When Jesus was condemned before trial, before Pilate, even though he was an innocent man and Pilate knew it, That was an unpleasant surprise. When Jesus was beaten within an inch of his life on the whipping post, shedding his blood, barely able to breathe, that was an unpleasant surprise. When Jesus took the cross and carried it up Golgotha's hill, that was an unpleasant surprise. When Jesus is on that cross with the nail in his feet and the nails in his hand hanging on the cross, 
saying, it is finished, and in, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. That was an unpleasant surprise. When they took him down off that cross and laid him in that tomb, that was an unpleasant surprise. This was not how it was supposed to end. And these ladies, they go the next day, they go because it's the Passover, they go into the temple uh, for the Passover celebration. But they go discouraged, they go defeated, they go distraught. And maybe some of you can relate this Easter Sunday. There's some unpleasant surprises that have taken place. And you find yourself in this discouraged season. You find yourself in this disappointed place. You find yourself pressed in and surrounded with depression and defeat. These women have gone uh, to, this, to this celebration of the Passover, but what they didn't know is what you and I just read about in Matthew chapter 27, is that the, the Pharisees and the chief priests had actually went to Pilate, and they asked him, they said, hey, Pilate, this deceiver had said, we remember how it was said that he was going to rise on the third day. And so rather than creating this big, this big thing, this big deception where his disciples would come and steal the body, here's an idea that we have for you, Pilate. Why don't you roll a stone in front of the tomb and why don't you set a soldier there so that it would protect this uproar and this, this possible situation that would be unfortunate uh, for, for the land. And Pilate says, I'll do something even better than that for you. Not only will I send a soldier, I'll put the stone there, but also I'm going to set my seal upon the stone. And so the ladies, they came, they were coming that next day early on Easter Sunday morning. The three ladies were coming, and they were coming to prepare Jesus' body for a proper burial. They had to get Jesus down off the cross before sunset on Passover because the Scripture had said that if you don't get the body off of the cross before sunset on Passover, then the land was going to be cursed, and the Romans would have burned the bodies. So they take the body, but in haste, they're not able to give the body of Jesus a proper burial. They were not able to anoint his body and put the fragrances there. And so they come on this Easter Sunday morning before even sunrise, and they're making their way to the tomb. And what do they see as they get to the tomb? They see a stone. They see the seal. They see a soldier. In other words, there was some things standing in their way in order for them to do what they had come to do, which is anoint the body of Jesus And so the angel begins to talk to these four women, and he shows these women the four surprises that I want to point out to you today. They were in for the most pleasant surprise that they could ever imagine. What they thought was going to be bad turned out to be good. What they thought they were going to see, which was death, turned out to be life. What they thought was bad news turned out to be great news. What they thought was a dead body ended up being a resurrected Savior. And so the first surprise that I want to draw your attention to this morning was this, is that surprise, come and look, the seal 
was removed. The seal was removed. Pilate, as the governor of Judea and as a representative of Rome, um, had the authority to put a seal on the tomb. It was a letter on the tomb, and it would notify everybody in the world that the most powerful person in all the world, the emperor, the Caesar of Rome, said that if you touch this stone, if you break this seal, it would be punishable by death. It was a death sentence for anyone who would try to come and enter into the tomb. The greatest human power on earth had made a declaration that the stone was not to be moved. And when they got there, surprise, the seal had been removed. The seal was gone. It was broken because God had the audacity, the unmitigated gall to declare, I am greater than the Caesar. There is no human authority that is greater than me. I do what I want to do, and when I want to do it, nothing can stop me. I'm greater than any human power that ever existed. Whatever God says is greater than what man says can be or cannot be. And when God broke the seal, he was removing the absolute authority of man's power. God is greater than anything or anyone that you know. Somebody better say amen right there. Because when you're discouraged by something someone said that cannot be done in your life, God is not limited by what others say, what you can do, and what cannot do. Can I tell you this morning, God is greater than your boss God is greater than your mother and your father. Come on, God is greater than your co-worker. He's greater than your surgeon. He's greater than the haters. And it doesn't matter what they say as long as it's what God said that matters. If they said you can't and God said that you can, you will. If they said that you won't and God says that you can, you shall. You have to stop listening to the voice of what others say and start listening to the voice of the Lord. God is greater than any human power that is standing in your way. This is what these women found out that resurrection morning, that the seal was removed and God says, I am greater than the oppression that stands in your way, than the problem that stands in your way. But I got some more good news for you. Surprise, when God broke the seal, he was removing the authority of man's rules. Not only was he removing uh, the power, he was saying, I am the greatest power, I, I have absolute authority, but he was saying, I'm removing the authority of man's rules. You see, God broke the rules of Rome to resurrect Jesus. Some of you in here today can testify that in order to be where you are today and for what the Lord has done in your life, he had to break some rules that were in place around you. There was other people that didn't think it was fair. There was other people that were standing in your way, but God broke the rules around you in order to bless you to where you are today. Some of you are blessed and it disturbed people around you because it didn't fit the mold of how they thought that things should go. Maybe you were the last on the list, but you got the job anyway. Come on. You didn't go to the right school, but you got the blessing anyway. You weren't raised in the right family, but God made a way for you anyway. Surprise. God is greater than the problem that stands against you, and he can break the rules in order to promote you. That's what he did with Jesus. He broke the rules of Rome in order to resurrect Jesus. There's no power that is greater than than the power of Jesus, than the power of God. Yeah. But not only did he remove 
the seal. But second, the second surprise was this. Surprise, the stone was rolled away. This was the greatest concern of these ladies as they were making their way to the tomb. If you find in Mark chapter 16, you read Mark's account. They were consumed with this idea of who's going to roll the stone away. They didn't know how it was going to be rolled away, but they made their way anyway. And you cannot allow the, 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 the things that are problems in your present to determine and to keep you from going forward with God. You can't allow the things that stand in your way, the obstacles that stand in your way, keep you from doing what God has called you to do. You see, even when they were on their way, what they didn't know was this, that God had already gotten to where they were going and he had already removed the stone. He had already rolled the stone away. Have you ever been in a situation where a problem was too big for you to solve? Come on, where the situation was too great for you, it was too insurmountable, there was no way that you could fix this problem by yourself. You see, the stone weighed a ton, which was about 2,000 pounds. There was no way for these women to remove the stone, but they went out anyway. And, so, and come on, I want somebody to testify today. Listen, God will move the stones in your life. Has God ever removed any stones in your life? And you didn't know how he was going to do it. And you didn't know when he was going to do it. And you didn't know how it was possible. You were facing an impossible situation and your problems were overwhelming you. But God said, I can roll the stones away. I am greater than the obstacle that stands in your way. Here's how God will surprise you when you're worried about it when you're losing sleep over it, when you're trying to figure out how it's going to be resolved, God has already worked it out. When you're trying to figure it out, listen to this, write this down, God has already worked it out. You're trying to figure it, I'm going to say it again, you're trying to figure it out, God has already worked it out. They say three times a charm. You're trying to figure it out, God has already worked it out. If you know that to be true in your life and you can look back on your life and you can say, God has removed some things out of my life, he's rolled away the stone, he made the impossible to be possible, he took the obstacle out of the way, somebody go ahead and give the Lord praise today. Surprise! The Lord will move the stones out of your way if you just keep, it, keep making a way. Keep obeying. Keep being faithful. Keep showing up. Keep serving the Lord. God's making a way. Here's how the Lord moved it. The angel was sent and the earth shook. <laughs> Listen to this. And behold, verse 2, there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled the stone away from the door and sat on it. And just waited for them to show up. And then he starts showing them what God has done. Surprise. Surprise. God is greater than the obstacle that stands in your way. Not only was the, stone, was the, the seal removed and the stone rolled away, but the third surprise was this. The soldiers, listen to me, were restrained. The soldiers were restrained. They came to the tomb that morning and the guards, verse 4 says, they, were, they shook with fear of him and became like dead men. You have to understand these Roman soldiers were armed with swords. They were trained men of war. 
They were standing outside the tomb with the instruction, don't let anybody in the tomb. If anyone approaches this tomb, you can kill them or you can arrest them. They had the authority to kill. How were these women going to get past these soldiers that were standing in their way to get to Jesus? You see, sometimes it's not just oppression that stands in your way. Sometimes it's not just obstacles that stand in your way, but sometimes it's opposition in the form of people that stand in your way to doing what God has called you to do. You see, not everybody wants you to achieve. Not everybody wants you to be successful for what God has put in your heart. But God is full of surprises. He sent an angel and they stood there trembling. He dealt with their enemies. God said, I'm working on handling your enemies. Don't you worry about your enemies. He said, I've got a solution for your enemies. I'm going to restrain the enemies in your life. The enemies in your life, the opposition that stands there cannot stop you. The Lord can restrain uh, the enemies that are trying to bring you down. He says, I've got this. I can handle your enemies. The scripture says, fret not yourself over evildoers, for they will soon be cut down. No one can better handle the enemies of God than God. No one can better thwart an attack that comes against you, a weapon that is sent to destroy you like God. He says, give place to vengeance, for vengeance is mine, says the Lord. No one can handle your enemies better than God. These enemies were restrained, but listen to this. These enemies, they were, although they were restrained, I love what God shows us here, is that they weren't removed. In other words, the people that are standing in opposition to you doing what God wants you to do, they cannot stop you from doing what God has called you to do. And matter of fact, not only will God restrain them, but he'll, 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 he'll hold them there and he'll watch you succeed. He'll bless you while they're watching. You see, they can't stop what God has called you to do. When the women got there, they were restrained. They couldn't do any, the, the, the soldiers couldn't do anything about what God had called them to do. And that's why the scripture says this, I shall prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. They didn't like it, but they couldn't stop it. Come on. God doesn't have to deliver you in order to bless you. Sometimes well, God will bless you right in the presence of your enemies. They, they might not like it. They might deny it. They might not vote for it. But in spite of what they think, God's going to do it anyway. Come on. Give God some praise today. If there's not an enemy that can stand in your way from God accomplishing what he wants to do in your life, the soldiers were restrained. The guards shook for fear of him. And they became like dead men. Surprise, God is greater than the opposition that stands in your way. But that's not the biggest surprise. As we come to my fourth point and my final point, the biggest surprise is that not that the seal was removed, not that the stone was rolled away. It wasn't, it wasn't simply that the soldiers were restrained. But it's that the Savior was resurrected. Oh, you ought to give God praise right now. Come on. The Savior was resurrected. 
and he's alive. The angel answered and said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, come and see the place where the Lord lay. This is the biggest surprise of them all. Jesus is alive, and that should bring you great joy because Jesus is not dead. He has risen from the grave. <laughs> Remember, they came to see the one who was dead, but surprise, he's not in the tomb. Come on, he's not there. He's risen just as he said. Come on, he died. Did he die? Did anybody testify that he died? But he, although he died, he had the power to raise back up again. Come on, Jesus is alive. And because he's alive, you can live. Because he has conquered death, you can be forgiven. Because Jesus has risen, you can rise. There's no stone, there's no soldier, there's no seal that can stand in your way because Jesus is alive. He got up from the dead. So they left, the scripture says, with great joy. <laughs> Do you have joy today? Maybe joy is absent in your life. Joy may be absent from your life because you're missing out on the source of joy. If you put your joy in an experience, if you put your joy in a relationship, if you put your joy in, in any other thing, then you've misplaced your joy. You have to place your joy in the source of joy, and the source of your joy comes from Jesus as he lives on the inside of you. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said in the book of Romans chapter 10, verse 9. He said that if you would believe in your, if you would confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God had raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. That's the good news. But in order for you to know the good news, you have to see the bad news. The bad news is this, that all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All we, Isaiah, Isaiah said, all we like sheep have gone astray. But God has laid upon Jesus the sins of us all. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we were healed. When Jesus got up on that cross and he breathed his last and he said, it is finished. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. He wasn't losing for he was setting it up for the greatest comeback ever because three days later, that's why he only had to borrow the tomb from Joseph of Arimathea. It was just a weekend thing. He borrowed that tomb because he knew that if he laid down his life, he had power to raise it up again. And today, if you'll lay down your life, if you'll acknowledge, God, I've sinned. 
I've fallen short of the life that you've called me to live. God, I haven't lived the way that you want me to live and I'm separated from you. If you would recognize that and confess that today, the scripture says this, blessed are the poor in spirit. Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the poor in spirit. He was saying this, blessed are those who are humble, the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Jesus is saying this, when you acknowledge your need for a savior, when you confess with your mouth and you believe it in your heart, that God has raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. Saved from your sin. Saved from separation. Saved from shame. Saved from guilt. Come on, saved from condemnation. Saved from death. Saved from hell. Saved from the grave. Thank you, Jesus. That's what Jesus has done for you by dying on the cross resurrecting on the third day. In 1934, I'm going to conclude with this, the Department of Justice acquired a former military barrack, and it was one and a half miles off of San Francisco. They wanted to convert this island into a prison. They transitioned it to the greatest uh, prison that existed at that time. It was on an island called Alcatraz. And the prison was known as the rock. It was known to be an inescapable prison. In fact, it was 29 years from when it was determined to be inescapable until the day that they shut it down. It was inescapable because not only did it have the greatest security measures, but it was also surrounded by the cold waters and the undercurrent of the San Francisco Bay. So if someone did escape from the prison, they knew that they could not make it safely uh, to the other side, to land. And in Alcatraz, they, they, they housed some famous criminals. Maybe you've heard of Al Capone was incarcerated in Alcatraz. Uh, Machine Gun Kelly was in Alcatraz. Bumpy Johnson was in Alcatraz. Whitey Bulger was in Alcatraz. It was an inescapable prison. And the record was that, like I said, 29 years, no one had ever escaped. 36 inmates tried, but no one would escape. And it wasn't until 1964 when a man named Frank Morris and two others attempted an escape where they chiseled themselves out of that prison cell. They got behind the prison cell and they made it up on the roof. They got on the roof and they made it down to where the, the waters were and they launched a raft out to try to escape. Well, the next morning when the warden found out that they had escaped, he really wasn't too worried about it. He didn't even send a search team after they had checked the, perim- uh, the perimeter because he knew that they had died in the icy waters of the San Francisco Bay. In 1964, that same year, the Federal Bureau of Prisons came and they wanted to find out what actually happened. And so they began to search the area. They went across to a place on the other side of the water called Angel Island. And on Angel Island, they found a raft and they found one set 
of footprints. Now, they came to the conclusion that one man had escaped, one man had survived. In 1964, Robert Kennedy shut down Alcatraz, and when he was asked why, he said, because one man escaped and one man survived. And since that one man escaped, and he said, since that one man survived, he said, we have to shut down the prison that used to hold the guilty. Shut down the prison that held the condemned because one man escaped and one man survived. I want to tell you about the grave this morning. The grave was the Alcatraz of its day. And many famous people went into that grave. Abraham went into that grave. Isaac went into that grave. Jacob went into that grave. And none of them were able to escape. But one Friday around 4 o'clock in the afternoon, a new inmate showed up. His name was Jesus. They put him in. They put him in his cell. He was there on Friday night. He was there on Saturday morning. He was there on Saturday night. But early Sunday morning, early Sunday morning, he escaped and he survived. And now the grave that used to hold the guilty has been shut down by God. And I know that when I believe in Jesus, though I die, the grave can't keep me. I know that when I breathe my last breath, I won't stay in the ground. For Jesus has conquered the grave. He escaped and he survived. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. But if you believe in me, though you die, yet shall you live. All because one man escaped and one man died and survived. God surprises us by granting salvation to those who believe in Jesus. And here's what happened. As they left, these women left that graveyard with the news of a resurrected Savior. And the angel said, go and tell his disciples. Meanwhile, what we didn't read about was once the soldiers came, came back to life as they fell as dead men, once they came back to reality, they immediately went to the authorities and told them about everything that happened. And when they went to the authorities and then they went to the high priests and the Pharisees, they said, don't tell anybody about what happened. Here's what you will tell them. Tell them that the disciples came and stole the body. There's still a rumor even today that the disciples, some people don't believe because they believe that the disciples stole the body. And today, there's two reports that come out of that graveyard. One of the reports says, he's dead. They stole the body. The other report is, his body's not there, for he has risen. And this morning, every one of us faces that decision today. It's the decision that's the most important decision in your life and in my life. Is he dead or is he alive? If he's alive, then I have life through believing in his resurrection. That's the greatest surprise of them all. That the Savior was resurrected 
for me and for you and for all of us who would put our faith in him. So I want to pray for each of us today, those of us online, that we would search and examine our hearts today. All over this room with every head bowed and every eyes, eye closed. This is a sacred moment. This is a, a holy moment. This is a special moment. For I don't believe that you're here by accident today. I don't believe that you're watching this week by accident today. I believe that God has a plan for each and every one of us. And it's a plan that includes incredible surprises. God is greater than the oppression that stands in your way today because the seal was removed. God is greater than the obstacle that stands in your way today because the stone was rolled away. God is greater than the opposition that stands in your way because the soldiers were restrained. And the biggest surprise of them all, that God is greater than the obstinance today in your own heart. God is wanting to remove your pride, your arrogance, your going your own way, your own selfish desires and living a life that pleases yourself. And he's wanting, wanting to know today, will you allow him to come into your heart and your life. When he does, he'll bring new life, he'll bring power, he'll bring purpose, he'll bring salvation to those who believe in his resurrection. God removes the powers, the problems, the people, and the pride that stands in your way today, all because he lives. So all across this room today, as you're making that decision, is he dead or is he alive? Nobody can make that decision for you today. But if you would today, if you know that the Lord is speaking to your heart and you want to commit your life to Christ today, to the resurrected Savior, to give you life today, you want to return to the Lord today and you say, Pastor Keith, I haven't been living the way that I'm supposed to. I know that I'm not right with God. You want to receive that invitation today to allow Jesus to come into your heart, to forgive you of all your sins to give you a brand new life, to start out a new journey in following him, here's what I'd like you to do. Just take your right hand and put it over your heart today. And we're making a pledge to the Lord. We're making a commitment to the Lord this morning, making a decision to make him our savior. And so I want you to repeat this after me. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus I have sinned. I have sinned. I'm asking you today asking you to, to forgive me of my sins forgive me to come into my heart to come into my heart and give me eternal life give me eternal life right now right now i believe i believe that you are the son of god that you are the son and the savior of the world savior of the world and that you are alive and that you are alive forevermore forevermore i make you the leader i make you the leader of my life i want to follow you i want to follow you every day every day in jesus name Jesus. Amen. Amen. You know, there's a great song that says, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, 
All fear is gone. Because he lives, I know I can face the future. And life is worth the living, all because he lives. Aren't you glad that he's alive today? And because he lives, I can live. And because he lives, you can live. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Our vision is that you would experience Victory Church as a place to call home. We do this by encountering God through worship, embracing community through relationship, and expanding the kingdom of God through service. Find out more about Victory at victorywinchester.com.